Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Man on the Prize, the podcast, Harvey here, your host. How are you? Hope the week has been great. Hope life is good for you right now. I hope you're appreciating it. I hope everything is going the way you want it. Or if it's kind of veered off course, at least you know how to get yourself back. I hope you're doing well. Another great guest. I love these guests. I love these men getting on here and talking because that's what we're doing here. We're talking. We're opening up. My guest this week is Eric Jones Jr. How are you today, sir? I'm doing wonderful, man. Uh, just want to say thank you for the opportunity of being on your podcast. Oh, thank you for doing it. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on here and talking. And, you know, this is the key. I love the talking. So I'm glad to get any opportunity. And like I mentioned before, when we get a brother on here, just sitting here and just shooting the ish and talking about life and such. So I'm glad to do it. Let me read your uh, bio here. So this is from the man himself. The underdog with a heroic heart. He was born with a disability, had over 16 surgeries, was bullied, attempted suicide, graduated with 1.7 GPA and a two-time college dropout. Now he is a father, teacher, mentor, speaker, author, podcast host, and he has a clothing line. That sounds like you busy, sir. Like, I'm surprised you even had time to talk to me, my man. You got a lot going on. That's what's up. Yeah, definitely do. I ain't going to lie to you. I remember the date, but I didn't remember what day it was because it was a short week. So when you uh, texted me, I was like, oh, it is today. So I was like, because I was going to go to sleep early tonight. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you go knock I, out? I was like okay. look, let me make sure I got everything done. Right. So once I get on here and after I get off, I can go to sleep. That it's a wrap. Cool. That, you know what? Again, I'm, I understand I'm a father of four. So life is hectic. So I understand being tired. Probably after we talk a few minutes later, it's a wrap. Yeah, I'm done. But I appreciate it. So quick mention to the men or women who are listening. If this is the first time you're watching or listening, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, what I am here is I am not... I don't have a degree in anything. What I am here is a man who likes to hear other men talk because I recognize how important it is for us to speak, to be open, to be vulnerable, to release the stress, to get it out so we don't keep toxicity in, but we let our emotions out and we're better men for it. That's what this is. So if you get anything out of this podcast, understand that talking is the single best thing you can do for your sanity. The next best thing you can do is listen to another man talk because sometimes that's all we're missing. Just somebody to listen to us. And the 99% of the issues we have are resolved by getting it out and having a safe person listen to us. With that said, you ready to go, Mr. Jones? Uh, yeah. I, like you said, uh, talking, I love to talk, so I'm ready. Cool. You in the right place. I'm, I'm good at listening. That's what I like to hear. All right. The name of this podcast is men are the prize. Prize is the word. It's my favorite word. I take four of the letters, and each of those letters represent a character word that is a characteristic that I think 
what a good man should be or could have gone through something like that. So we'll just jump up in there. The first letter in the word prize is P. The word is purpose. Reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So, Eric, what is your purpose? Um, My purpose is to help the younger generation understand no matter what circumstance, what situation they're going through, they can be great. They can overcome whatever it is. They can be their original selves. So like in my bio, I was born with a physical disability. My arms are shorter than probably 90, probably 95% of the world. So um, growing up, being bullied, going through all those different stuff, but loving basketball, and that's something I'm good at. Like I will hoop whoever steps on the court, I don't care. Like, okay, I'm a little older now, so my knee's a little different. But uh-huh. I still get buckets on somebody. So um, having that and then dropping out of school and then some weird way, God leading me into being a teacher and me working in the schools and seeing kids that thought like me, that were like me. Like, oh, I really don't like school, but not understanding you need an education. And it doesn't mean a degree. It doesn't mean uh, a diploma. I mean, you kind of got to get a diploma, but you don't necessarily depend on what you do. And it's like, as long as you have enough knowledge and what it is that you want to do, you can do it. So just uh, being able to give back to the younger generation and understanding that. So um, it took me 30 years to realize that, to realize why I was born the way I was. And it was like an aha moment. And I was like, oh, people actually, my story actually inspires people. It actually helps them. It actually, you know, students come up to me or be like, oh, man, I remember you from the detention center or this and that. And it's like, oh, and it's like, I had to go through all this shit that I thought was shit, but it really wasn't. It was lessons that I had to learn to overcome and be able to go through adversity. It's like, I I was born with a disability. So little life adversity ain't nothing going through 16 different surgeries, getting in the middle of uh, my junior year, having surgery on my right hand, and I'm right-handed. Having to learn how to write with my left hand, have to do everything with my left hand because I got a cast on. So that's my purpose is just to help. And it doesn't necessarily have to be kids. It's like, because everybody's an underdog. Everybody feels like, oh, I didn't. I didn't get this path. Oh, my parents didn't have it. That don't matter about nothing. It matters about you. So that's my purpose is to help people that feel like they're the underdog be a successful underdog. I like that. I like that. So talk about it. So you lived life. You're growing up with this disability and such with your arms. How was the family atmosphere for you? Did you get a lot of support from family? in terms of your disability? What were you kind of coddled? Was your family like, this is not something that's gonna hold you back? What was it like growing up with? So um, when I was born, uh, my mom, like any mom, any parent loved on me. My dad, he was like, he wasn't really, he was against, like not against me, but like, no, my son is, cause I was born in the eighties. It wasn't like they knew what was, it was like, hey, I'm here. Oh shit, he, oh, whoa, that ain't, no, that ain't, but no, that ain't what he's supposed to. So mm-hmm. my dad really was like, he wasn't like, oh, you're not my son, but he kind of was um, against my my arms being short, like, you know, kind of like in disbelief. So my biological dad died when I was four, he had cancer. So 
I don't remember anything with him. I remember my mom telling me he used to make me, not make me, but have me wear a jacket in the summertime so people wouldn't look at me and stuff. And then that kind of veered on when I was older. So my mom, uh, it was me, my mom, she got married to my sister's dad. And then there's my little sister. I got a brother, but that's through my dad. So my mom, my sister, they, they ain't treat me like nobody. Let me do something that, that I wasn't supposed to do. It wasn't, oh, that was because his disability. No, you about to get your ass whooped. Like, it ain't no, no nothing. It ain't, you can't do nothing anybody else can. My mom, uh, I used to uh, play my friends when I was real young. Like, hey, man, can you help me tie my shoe or help me hold my backpack? My mom, why y'all holding this backpack? Mm -hmm. Oh, because, uh, you know, we've been, he can help, give him that back. And it was like, my mom always told me to try. Like, just try. Like, you try first, and if you can't, then somebody will help you. So my mom and my sister, they always had my back no matter what. My sister, if somebody was talking shit, she fighting. Like, it wasn't no treat them different. Um, the only thing as an adult I realized, like, they never asked me about it. Like, you know, how, how is it? Like, how do you feel and different stuff like that? And I think that's because our family culture wasn't a big talk. We talk, but not talk, have those deep conversations. Right. So other than that, I mean, my my dad, which is my sister's dad, that's my dad. He he was there. He supported me and stuff. He never, like I played basketball. They never, neither one of my parents like, hey, let's go to the basketball court. My dad every now and then would go, but not really. So in that aspect, they wasn't there. Like they, like for my son, I'm there. Every game, I'm loud. I'm that parent. Like, once he get older, I'll probably coach him. He only eight. I, I can't do the little. I can't right. do them. But right. that's – so the support of my family growing up, it was good. It was like they didn't treat me no other way. They didn't let me get the slack off because I was – you know, my arms were shorter. None of that. So it was – I had a normal a normal life uh, to, that, to, to that degree. Okay. So it sounds like – Obviously, they knew you had this disability, but they didn't want to treat you differently. So they almost to the point where they acted like it wasn't there. Mm. But at the same time, it's kind of it would have probably benefited you to talk about it, to be like, yeah. you know, listen, we love you. You're the same. You know, different. But how do you feel about this? So obviously, time has passed. You're an adult now. Do you recollect or can you kind of think about how you were feeling growing up with this disability? I mean, you got your family treating you a certain way, your biological father, your dad, kids and such. How did you feel about yourself with this? Did it affect your self-esteem? Did it affect yeah. how you looked at things? Where do you where did you young Eric, growing up with this? Where were you at? So I'm from Michigan City, Indiana. It's a very small town. It's not very small, but it's a small town. So everybody knew each other. It wasn't like Oh, if somebody seen me, they didn't know me. Everybody kind of knew me. You grew up with everybody. So in that aspect, you know, people treated me for the most part like everybody else. But I, then I had bullies. I had people, you know, talking trash, all that different stuff. So I like thinking about it like I was to myself. I was always in trouble. So I was always grounded. So I was always in my room. Okay. So but I had friends like I had homies in my neighborhood. So I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, but it wasn't like money. It was like middle class and some people had money. So it was different having my black friends, but then I'm growing up around white people. And so you get racism. 
you get treated a certain way or whatever, or when you're hanging out with them, it's different. But for me, like, when I played basketball, I didn't see my arms. I didn't notice. It's like, I mean, at times if a shot went, because, you know, and I was like, well, I can't really help that. But for the most part, once I really got my groove of playing, like, that's one place where it was like I didn't see them. I didn't know that, like, I didn't know that they were short. Like, I'm coming and I'm giving you a bucket. I'm playing defense. Like, it's not really stopping me. But then, like, going to school, I didn't have great confidence when it came to girls. I Like, I did, but I didn't, like, close the deal type stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. or whatever. Um, So, um, what else? I was, I'm always funny. I've always been, like, so I've always, like, like to make people laugh and stuff like that. I'm a jokester. I had to learn how to joke because people, you know, you want to roast. Oh, okay, that's cool. I can roast. So I would say I'm the same as I am now. Like I'm a loner, but I'm a people person. Um, I can entertain myself. I can hang out with me, but I can go hang out with other people. And it's certain stuff that I love to do. Let's see, as a kid, like I didn't get that. My dad taking me fishing. Um him taking me to play catch and stuff. So it was more so I had to learn on my own, which somewhere in my family tree, I don't know, I was athletic. So I was able to play every sport. It didn't matter that I didn't have to reach. I could throw a football, catch, I could play baseball. So I like playing sports. That's basketball was my thing. So part of the life, like I really didn't notice it. I mean, you notice it when people say something. I did have low self-esteem, not too much but more so socially going places. Even though I knew people knew my arms were short, it was kind of like, you know, they stare or if I'm dancing, you know, I, I look different. So that part of it as a young Eric, but it wasn't too bad. Like I was a normal kid. I got into trouble. I did stuff kids did. Like it didn't stop me from riding a bike, hanging out. I had friends. I did have people I didn't like. I do feel like if my arms were long, normal, I'd have gotten a lot more fights because I got a slick mouth. <laughs> Um, I always think that, like I always think like, man, would I really be here? Cause I'm, you know, Michigan City is not the hood. Like where I live wasn't the hood, but I would have hung out with them. Who knows? My, I found out my dad used to sell drugs. My brother did, so if that could have, I could have landed in there, you know, just cause who I, who you know, the family tree. But for the most part, I was a a normal kid. Um, the ups and downs of other every other kid, but. So I had I did have surgeries. I don't remember them all, but that kind of um, it helped. I remember my arms used to be like really curved and nobody really noticed the change. I did like they got longer. I got more strength and all that. But just having those surgeries um, and making adjustments and stuff, that was kind of hard or wearing splints and having to look different sometimes. So that kind of that part of it. But then when I went to the hospital, it was people worse, kids worse than me. So me being from a small town, my family treat me like I'm normal. I just look different. I'm going in there like, life ain't that bad. Mm. Like some of these kids is fucked up. Like got fucked up situation. They don't got the support I got. They don't got like a mom that's like, cause I taught in special education and like some parents treat their kids like they're handicapped when they're not, they're just different. And so when I would go there, that kind of boosted my confidence and boosted me to be like, all right, I, it ain't that bad. So that kind of helped going to get those surgeries and going to the hospital. Um, so confidence was there, but it, you know, it was still low socially. Okay. So 
you've been kind of thinking about growing up and I guess the kind of boy that you were growing up. How did the way you grow up affect the father that you are now? It didn't. It helped. I didn't have it. I mean, I, so my biological dad was there child support. He wasn't with my mom. You know, he was abusive. He did stuff that I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily do. I don't know him fully, but he seemed like a cool dude, you know, just living life. In, in the environment or whatever. Um, my dad, he was there, but he wasn't there. So with me, so it started off with, um, I have two kids. One is my stepdaughter, but I'm not with their mom, but she's still my daughter. I was there when she was six. So me and her just built a bond. And then it was like, okay, I'm there every day. Me and your mom together, I'm like your dad. So we had a great relate. We have a great relationship father-daughter dances, um, all kind of, you know, stuff, daddy-daughter dates, all that stuff. We're still cool now, even though, you know, me and their mom got a divorce, which I understand I got, my mom got a divorce, and it's like, oh, F you, you know, you divorce, you know, you gonna roll with mom 90% right. of the time, depending right. on your situation. So, um, my son being born, I was like, that's what changed. Like, I was just the average cat, just, I ain't really know, life kind of just going through, and it was like, this little dude depends on me. This human right here, if I don't get my shit together, like, I'm going to fail him. And I'm not where I want to be fully, but I'm where I want to, like, in, internally I am because of him. And I go to basketball. I coach my daughter. Um, I go to their events. I'm I'm there. Me and her got some. She want me. She need a father figure, and she chose me. And I got to put a suit on. I don't like wearing suits, but for her, I will put a suit on. Like, um, she just went to prom. She's a senior, about to go to college. So, you know, I have real conversations with my kids. I have, con like, I don't whoop my, my son. Like, I'll threaten the hell out of him, but I'm not going to whoop him unless he really, really does. I'm going to talk to him. Right. And I didn't get that. I didn't get the talk, and it was whooping. It was, I'm going to whoop you. I'm whooping your butt, and then we'll, I'm going to talk through this whooping, and then that's it. And so with my son, I like, I like, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago. I, I think this as an eight year old, like understanding life, this the first time he's seen me go off. Like, cause he said he wanted to quit basketball. Boy, I just, Hey, you ain't cheap brother. What do you mean? And I went off like, but I understood his mom was like, when he calmed down from crying and all that extra, he was like, he was really tired. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't whoop him because he was tired. Like, I got it. Like, he's legit, you know, a busy kid, and I get it. We're tired as adults. So I probably would have got a whooping for the way he was. I was He was acting. If I was me, I would have got a whooping. I didn't whoop him. Like, so I have conversations, real conversations. It's the, this is real conversations. My daughter was, like, 12. Her and her little friend, we went to go see um, The Hate You Give. We come out the movie. We talking, talking about boys. And I'm like, listen. I know y'all going to eventually have sex. Just don't be no hoe. And they was like, okay. And I broke it down. Like, y'all going to go to these big schools. Y'all going to send boys pictures. You send boy a picture, right? He going to show us homies. They going to think you fast. They going to all be trying to get at you. Then if you do smash somebody, they going to go tell. Like, I'm giving them all the game from a guy's perspective. And then uh, their mom, my, uh, my daughter's mom was like, why would you say that? Because I'm going to be real. I'm not going to sugarcoat life for either one of my kids, like, you don't get your way. You don't act a fool and think. So it was whooping first, then it's talking now. And it's, hey, how are you doing? How was your day? What was the good part of your day? What was the bad part of your day? Like, it's actually talking and getting to know my kids 
and knowing if I call my son, hey, son, what you doing? Nothing. All right, I'm about to come get you. I call my daughter, what you doing? Nothing. I'm about to come get you. What are we about to do? Yeah, where are we going? Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, just t- text me tomorrow. We can go somewhere this weekend. It's the difference. You got to let her know in advance. My son, he rocking, he rolling, he going. So it's because my son's albino, so he has somewhat of challenge like me, but not too much. And it's like me understanding where I was. Let me ask these questions. Let me know who you are. How you feeling? How was school? Does people make fun of you? Stuff of that sort, because our mental health, even as a kid, is very important. So I would say it was it didn't affect it. It helped it. It helped me to be a great person, to be there for my kids, not try to be the dad I didn't have, but just be there for them. Okay, that's good. That's good. All right. The next letter in the word prize, the letters R and the word is resilience. The capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness. To a degree, you kind of answered this question, but we're going to ask anyway. So if you can think of a particular situation, something that's happened to you where you discovered you had a resilience that you didn't know you had. So many. Uh, one I'm thinking of, uh, just because I was talking to on my podcast today about surgery. So I had surgery when I was a junior in high school and I had to get a metal plate in my arm. So I go to Shriners Hospital. That's where I got all my surgeries because they help kids with disabilities. Basically, you they don't people donate, you get your stuff done. I don't know, however, we didn't have to pay nothing. So they have a basketball court there. It's an hour after I have surgery, got a cast on, metal plate in my arm. I see people playing. I'm like, uh, I'm about to go play. Never played really with my left hand. Not that great. Go out there and play. And it's like, and I fought through the pain of, my, you know, having the cast on this stuff. It was like, man, I can really like go out here against anybody. And that really was like the time where I started to like, I'm going to go into pain. Like, I ain't scared of nobody. I don't care how big you are. Like, oh, you want to post me up? Just because these guys were bigger. And it just helped me like to fight through pain. Like, you got to fight through pain. I was just telling somebody, like, all the different stuff that I went through with my arms, like, this little stuff, life, okay, that ain't nothing. And that's the different moments I've had to where I've had um, obstacles, challenges because of my arms. Like, every day I wake up in pain because I have a nerve uh, damage or a pinched nerve and different stuff. Nobody know that. And it took, you know, from being a kid and going through those different things to be like, Man, a little pain ain't going to stop me. Somebody telling me no ain't going to stop me. You know, uh, oh, I get fired from the job. That ain't going to stop me. Nothing can stop me because I've already been through everything that tried to stop me, that could have stopped me, and without me being able to control it. So it, I can control everything else. So I control it to the best of my ability. You know, got to be better consistent and all that, but just growing up and having the physical disability and going through, I would say, to about 18, to, you know, move out college and all that different stuff and figure myself out. That's where all the resilience come from. That's heart. I'm five, seven on a good day. I'm 145 on a fat day. And I'm, I feel like I'm bigger than anybody else in the world because my heart bigger than anybody else. 
And it just, you know, you just got to keep going. And you just got to keep going. But you got to have a reason, too. Like, with your resilience, because when you're in life, stuff going to happen. It don't care if you're a billionaire, millionaire, you ain't got no money, stuff's going to happen. And if you let life punch you and you don't get back up, you 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 got you gotta you gotta have a reason why you're gonna get back up. As a kid, it was because they said I couldn't do it. As an adult, it was similar to same. Now it's my kids. You gotta have a reason why to get back up. Because if you don't, you're gonna sit down. Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Why? Because he told his mama he was gonna beat him. His mama passed away. Okay, mom, you gone. But I told you I was gonna beat him. I'm gonna beat this dude in front of me. I don't care who he knocked out. None of that. You got to have a reason. That reason pushes you to get past whatever obstacles you go through. Okay. Okay. That was, that was legit, man. I appreciate that. That's good. Life is like a continue. I've, I've talked to men and I'm like, life is just like a boxing match. You spend half your time bobbing and weaving. You just trying to avoid getting punched and just, and sometimes life gets you. Sometimes that right hand comes across and how you handle it, what kind of chin you got. Can you take it? Are you down for the count? Or is it temporary? You get back up. So I always I always like boxing. It's a good analogy to life. It fits because you're getting punched. What do you do? I want to ask, though, now I read your bio, obviously he's mentioning, and you were bullied and you've had the surgeries. Can you talk about as much as you're willing to what was what surrounded you getting to the point where you can where you attempted suicide? Um. It was when I was in elementary school, and it was just like, mm. Mm, I didn't like school. Like, I just didn't like, and, like, we weren't rich. We weren't getting, you know, we didn't get the stuff that everybody else did. You know, kids, elementary kids are probably more meaner than any other kid. I don't know that. And it just was like, man, skip this. This ain't, I don't want to live. It's just, it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. Like, life. Like we used to have to go over my grand my granny crib and they lived in the old folks project. So you seeing all kind of crazy stuff. It's just like this wasn't worth it. But then God was just like, nah, it is. It ain't worth it. You just don't understand right now. You only seven, then I was I think I was like eight, maybe then ten. You don't understand right now. I had to wait twenty some odd years later to understand why. But um it was just not being really able to get girls and I'm a I like I like the ladies from probably birth, um, stuff like that. Just it, it just wasn't going right. Like it was cool on the outside, but on the inside, I didn't, nobody asked me how I was doing. Nobody, I wasn't ever able to talk to nobody. Like I never had that, and I think as a kid that that's why I did stuff because I didn't have nobody to talk to. Like just to keep it a buck, like and not having nobody to talk to and just. Going through that different surgeries, all that. It's like, man, skip all this. I'm like, because I used to pray, God, please, when I wake up, let my arms be long. Mm-hmm. Like, I, my dreams were me with long arms, and it just like, yeah, it was tough. Like this, some of the like as an adult, I tell stuff I never really told people, but yeah, I used to like really have dreams, like or be praying, hey, 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 my man, <laughs> you think you can help a brother out? Mm-hmm. Wake up, nope, nothing. Ah, dang. So that's, that's where I was as a kid. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. So when I was, I think the reason that I, we ended up connecting is because I wanted to talk to a teacher. I wanted to talk to somebody, and especially a black male teacher, because I love, 
and I, like I mentioned, I have four kids. I have an affinity for black male teachers because I see so few of them. I, I mean, I talked to my kids and I had one black male teacher my whole run. That's college. And I'm like, anytime, anytime I get to see one. So when I would take the kids to school and like, oh, and they have a black, I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I run up on them like, bro, you made my day. Now I'm in Florida where the majority of their teachers are black, which is a good start. And they have several black male teachers, which I think is so, so important. But I want to ask you, you have the benefit of watching kids. You're a black male teacher. Do you see a difference in how, and either you or anybody else, and how a black male student is treated versus a sister, a black girl, or a white boy and a white girl, or anybody? Do you, is there a difference that you can see that's like blatant or is it subtle? What's your, what's your, what do you think when you look and think about black kids in school? Um, I would, I, I would say they're, they're more target because we're, we're, we're a little more than everybody else. We loud a little bit, depending, some kid be big bubba, you know, all this different stuff. And it, um, but it's because we're misunderstood as a young black kid and me being a young black kid, I like used to go through shit. Like your parents just broke up. It's kids. Hey, hey, my dad hit my mom or this, my dad was mad and broke the TV and all this. And it's like, or they don't have a dad. And it's like you yelling at them. They already get that at home. They get that yelling. They get all that. So they don't get it. They don't get how to communicate to them. And that's the problem that I see. Like, it's the communication. It's like, I ain't got to yell at you. I can, I, I teach kindergarten. So I could give them that dad look. What, what is you doing? And they, and then, or if I come talk to them, now they know I, I can get loud, but I don't really like, come on, man. Like, what you doing? Like, come on. Like, you know, it's, I'm talking to you because I understand you. Like, I get it. But in it's we do we act out though. Sometimes it's like, why? Like you mad because you just acted a fool? Like what the hell is wrong with I wish I like I don't cuss kids out, but you know, I, what the hell wrong with you, dude? <laughs> like this kid, he yelling in the hallway today, right? Well, black boy, yelling. What is wrong with you? Why are you yelling? Mm-hmm. Bruh, listen, didn't I just see you cutting up in the back of the line and your teacher didn't see you, but I didn't say nothing, right? I just told you to stop. So you got caught. So go get back in line and do what you're supposed to and you wouldn't be in trouble. All right. Now, it wouldn't have, the lady, she dealing with the other kids and it's other boys and then the boys cussing and they girls, he cussed, he cussed at me. And I'm just like, oh, I should have, I would not need to get in the older grade. But I got an after school program. So it's like, I would say to your question, yeah, they are more, but it's like, it's hard because nobody teaches us how to act in public. That's the problem. My Listen, my son is Chucky at home. He is, he is, he be on one, but at school, oh, he's a joy to have in class because he mm-hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. I, his, his mama don't play. His mama pop work at the school. She not work, but she a, a uh, what's it called? The president of PTO. So she she know everybody. And you know if your daddy show up, 
he not about to play with you. I don't play with school. Now, that's where you're going to get a whooping in school. I, and I told him when he's in preschool, hey, I will pop up <laughs> on you. Where you act a fool, I'm going to act a fool. So it's really they don't have how to act in pup. They see their mama's ghetto listening to music, cussing somebody out. Their daddy's talking a certain way, act a certain way. They act that way. So they don't know how. And then it's like you doing all that rah, rah, rah at them. That ain't, they don't care. They with it. Now that now with the black girls, they you it's hard. They a little tough. Cause it's like, especially if they got daddy issues, it's like they don't care about nothing. They don't care about no authority, none of that. And so they they get it a little rough too. And that cause they gonna give it back. So they get it a little different. And I would say my school is majority black, but I've been at another school that was white. It it depends on the behavior for for a good portion of it, no matter what color you are. But the targeting part or the I'm gonna be a little harder, I'm gonna pick on you, it's us, it's 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 the males. It's the males. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I appreciate you answering the question because I know kids come to school with so much going on. I mean, life is hard to begin with. But these kids come in with all kinds of issues, just lack of no parent there or parents are there, but it's a bad situation. Food is an issue. Where they live is an issue. Kids, have there's so much thrown on them just to begin with. So they get tough. They're, they're toughened just walking into the building. And I feel like you as a black male growing up in a pretty similar situation, you have an understanding that maybe some other teachers wouldn't. So yep. it's all, that's why I like the idea. And my kids are lucky they don't have those kind of things to, to worry about. But still, it should be somebody who would understand the situation that they're going through. That's why I love black teachers. That's why I love black male teachers. Because a black boy needs to see, I could do that one day. And a black girl could see, oh, look, a black male teacher who's teaching me and isn't doing anything bad to me. Like it's, it's these little things, but they're so important. So thank you for answering that question. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to skip the I. I saved the I for the last part of the word prize questioning. The next letter in the word prize is Z, and the word is zeal. Zeal is defined as enthusiastic devotion. So putting aside your family and putting aside the work that you do, what are you enthusiastically devoted to? um inspiring like helping people un helping underdogs become successful underdogs it starts at school um it doesn't it starts in my classroom but it it goes throughout the school and then with my kids and just people in general like i really like helping people i really like having conversations and learning and then having people learn from me and adding value to their life like that that pumps me up that that gets me like getting on the stage and talking to some kids. You ain't got to, you could pay me. You don't got to pay me. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to hope that that kid remember me and be like, Hey man, cause of your talk, this happened. So that, that's what I'm devoted to. Like I do the podcast. That's, that's what I can do in my financial situation in my time situation to where I can build an audience, build a community. But speaking is that too. And it's, I asked my mom when I was a kid, what do you think I would uh, was going to be? She said, I don't know, but you always talking. So something with talking. 
And that's, I love to talk. So I love, I, I understand you got to listen, but I love to inspire people. That's something I didn't learn until I was 30, but it, that's what I love to do. I feel like you were talking kind of communication may not have been the strongest part of your growing up, the relation, you know, growing up in the relationship you had. And as many men as I've spoken to, and I feel like I say this and this almost sounds cliche, but a lot of us men, when we grow up, we end up becoming what we needed growing up. You needed someone to talk to. You didn't have that person to be like, ah, you know, because I understand me and I don't like to say the word normal, but normal, my arms, my legs, everything is okay. But even living like this, there were times where I've just, I hated life. This girl I was trying to holler at me, she wasn't looking at me at all. I wanted to play baseball, but I was garbage. I didn't make the team. All these feelings that I go through and just as a regular kid. And I didn't get to talk to somebody like that. So I can imagine for you, you have these same issues, but you add on, you know, a disability and no response that you get from people because of the disability. So you had all this stuff that you just needed to get out. And it took you a while to get there. So of course, when you are up an adult and you're doing, what are you doing? You're doing the one thing you need. You're communicating. You're being the person that you needed. And we, it's, it's so important because I talk to, you know, people with addiction, people who, kids who went through foster care and then they become social workers because they want to help those kids who went through that stuff. I hate the word inclusive because I feel like it just, it just kind of thrown out there. But it's so important to feel included. And there's nobody better than somebody who went through the same shit you did. So it's it's so good to see what you're doing because people people need you. They may not even know it, but they need you. So you're doing good, good work, brother. So that that what you just said, people don't realize it. Like I like I look at it as like even playing basketball with my bros and all the people like. Do y'all know how hard it is to play this game with y'all? Like, it ain't easy as y'all think it is for me as it is for y'all. Do y'all know how hard it is to shoot real good? Mm-hmm. It ain't. It's it. Then people don't get that. But to what you were saying, my mom put me in a lot of stuff that I do now. She put me in an entrepreneur uh, camp when um, it was a free camp. You know, it's something for us kids to do, stay out of trouble. It's an entrepreneur camp. That's what I want to do. She used to, you know, after school programs and all that, I'm, I didn't really go, you know, I go, but we joking and stuff, but that's what I do now. And it's like all those, like you said, I'm the person to talk to. Like, it, it's crazy when you, when you really have those aha moments, you'd be like, that was just an aha moment. Like every, the person I need as a kid is the person I am today. Yep. Yep. And that's just a, a aha moment. And I appreciate that. Cause that kind of like, Cause I, I I was telling somebody like when I go speak I'm talking to the old me, I'm talking to the younger me. I'm talking to myself, and then now there's kids that can relate, and they don't have to have a disability. They could just be a normal black kid, a normal white kid, a normal whatever kid, and they like I'm going through something, and he went through it. I, oh, and he, he had to go through what I'm going through, but then he had a disability. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I appreciate that, man. That was like a little eye opener, a little aha moment. Oh, no problem, no problem. And, and it's 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 important. Not only are you going to be a good speaker, but you're gonna hit the points that you would have recognized. You're hitting the stuff because we. I went to school. We were in school. We'd have these. We'd have to these get to these announcements, sit in the, the big room, and listen to people talking. We're just waiting for it to be over. But when you get up in there and you're talking, you're like this. And this, you hitting specific points 
that that kid needs to hear. That person, that man went through some ish. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to listen to what he's going through. I'm going to listen to what he says I should do because he understands. It's so simple. We relate and then everything changes. So if you didn't know, and I'm sure you're aware of how important you are, but just in case you really didn't know, your presence is invaluable. Your words are so important. And as kids who you don't even think you helping in 10 years are going to be in a better place because you got on stage and you said a few words to them. So, you know, I, it's important to know our worth, to know what we've done for people. And I would be honored if my kids ever, and I, we're not in the same place, so it won't happen. But if I was lucky enough to have my kids talk to somebody and it was you, I know my kids would be in the right path because hey, you're the you kind know, of person you'd speak to. I, I appreciate them words, man. You don't understand, especially hearing it from a, another black man, man. You don't understand, like, when you go through life and you don't hear those kind of words all the time, mm -hmm. yes, it, it means a lot. But you never know. I, I, I can speak all over the world. You never know if you're Oh, then, oh, my, okay. My, my, my Make that up. move. I'm in Florida. Yeah. It's hot up in this mug, but please yeah, come I went, through. <laughs> yeah, I went to, we took, uh, we took my son to, um, Universal Studios. It was our first uh, family trip, not as okay. a family. So okay. it was cool. It was cool. But yeah, it's definitely hot there. Definitely. Yeah. All definitely. The time. I had my dad bought out. I told them, I was like, I'm coming with the dad bought out. <laughs> That's what's up. Hey, you come through, holler at me, and we'll make it happen. Well, you know, we'll get together. But I, I'm glad to hear you speak. And it's the little, th it's, and that's as simple as that is. You just talking. And that's all most of us need is to hear somebody who understands, who relates. The last letter in the word prize is E. The word is expectation. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So I always find a different way to ask a question about expectation. But I'm going to ask it about you specifically. So in, in one year, and in five years, where are you going to be? Your the journey to helping people. Do you have some specific things that you want to get done a year, five years from now? Are there things or things you haven't said or things that you haven't done that you're about to do? What do you see for your future in the next years coming up? So uh, I would say in a year, I want to... I want to be a paid speaker. Like, I don't know, Ness, like, I don't know what my connection yet. I haven't found what the connection with school is yet. I don't know if that's something that I'm always going to be a part of and then do the speaking or however, but I want to be a paid speaker. Um, I ain't got to be making big money, none of that, but just be able to be a paid speaker. Definitely monetizing off my um, podcast. I would say at least having like a studio or at least not my bedroom, you know, as my, my studio, but having somewhere right. that's like a studio for that. Um, the school, uh, I'll be, I have an after school, I got an after school program, going to be the basketball coach for the girls elementary team. So just being more involved, leaving it, adding value to the school. Um, so in five years, I definitely want to be speaking full time. Podcast, six figures. Um, maybe seven figures, um, touring with the podcast, speaking all over the world, be able to take my son with me 
so he can travel the world, um, be able to whatever my daughter need, you know, I'll be able to, here you go. If, if, if depending on how long I want to be able to pay her college off mm -hmm. and just be like, how much is it? Here you go. That's and just awesome. be able to do that. Um, what I have a clothing line. I, I, that's when you do everything by yourself is hard, but with that, I want to at least have that making six figures and maybe have a storefront, not necessarily me run it, but maybe my son would have wherever we live. He, you know, have his own store because it's named after him. Um, I would say living where I want to live, like, you know, that house. I, maybe married, maybe have like, because I do miss the family aspect of stuff. So I would say maybe at least have that significant other, like maybe about to get married, you know, of that sort. Um, and just being able to help my family, be able whatever my sister want to do. You got a business out here. You go, mom. What? Where you want to move? Uh, dad. All right, you want to go to the PGA tour? Let's go. Like whatever. That's where I want to be. Like in five years, financially free, and to be able to help my family and be able to help the community that I'm at, and then be able to help others like all over. So it's um doing the same thing, but doing it more, but also monetizing because it's like you got to get paid what you were exactly. and it's not, you know, you could do free all day, but if you, when you understand, uh, when you as a, you're, you know, we, we, we cool. We, we bros now we've been talking, but to this, is our first time meeting. So you're considered a stranger. And for you to say that it's like, shit, I'm really am dope. Like, even if the people around me don't tell me if people be upset because I'm me and I still do what I want to do because I'm me, like, and you feel like you can't do it because you don't want to be you and they hate or whatever, it's like, I'm really dope. Like, skip what people say or skip what's going on or if I had a bad day. So you don't even know. I had, I had like, I had a day where somebody kind of, like, made me feel like, I wasn't who I'm, who I am and you just right. helped me. So yeah, that, that definitely like helps with like understanding my expectations. Like I can really do this shit. That's like, I just, that's I just got to know what I got. I just got to be consistent. That's it. And yeah. that's the hardest thing is being consistent. So all those expectations that I got, long as I stay consistent, I get them. I meet them. You will. I'm going I'm to throw this at you and you tell me if you're down to do this. I talked to a lot of men and we have a lot of, we want to accomplish a lot. And uh, it's a, it's easy to say, this is what I want to do. It's easy to just kind of write it down, put it out, you know, put it out into the ether and see if it happens. If you down, I want to holler at you a year from today. Good. And I want to see, and then we're going to talk about, because we got, this is recorded. I got this on video. We're going to be like, he said he was going to do this, this, and this. And a year from now, I want to see where you at. So if you're down to talk in a year where we're like, you said you want, you want to be paid, you want to get all this stuff, travel, let's see where you are in a year. Because I'm going to come at you in a year. I'm a little older than you. So I'm going to be like, you said you was going to do this. What happened? What did you do? What steps did you take to become a paid speaker? Who you talk to? Stuff like that. And if you're up to it, I want to do it. Because there's no doubt. There is no doubt that you just about to hit that. You just about to be that speaker that everybody's looking for. You about to be that dude. It's just time. It's time to take that step. What's stopping you? Because like you said before, nobody can stop you. 
The only reason you're not making that money right now is because you didn't step up and do it yet. So now it's time, Eric. Let's go. I want to see you. I want to see you talking. I want to see you getting that check. I want your kids driving around with nice cars for no reason. I want to see you doing big things. It's nothing better to me than seeing a black man succeed. When a black man succeeds, your family is good. Your community is good. Society is good. The world is good. So you owe it to yourself, to your family, to me. You're going to blow up, man. And I'm going to see you in a year. We're going to talk about that. And then you're going to tell everybody else how you did it. So that's where we're going to keep going, brother. Appreciate that. No doubt. We go back to the I, the middle letter in the word prize. I don't attach a word to it. It represents the man that I'm speaking to. So, Eric, we're going to take all the shackles off. When you're not a father, basketball player, um, I don't know, teacher, mentor, speaker, we take all that stuff, take all shackles off. When it's just you at your core, dark room by yourself, who are you? <laughs> I'm a I'm a funny dude. I, I would say I'm probably a comedian. Um okay. I like like I like I tell people I can entertain myself. I um I'm not a big movie watcher. Um, I do like to like write like different ideas or different stuff. Um, so um, I like paint. I like art. So I definitely draw and now draw color and paint and different stuff. So I'm like a I'm a chill dude. Like I'm I, I, I I'm chill. I don't really I don't cause no drama. I stick to myself. But I'm I'm funny. I'm I'm that's just me. Like. If you take everything off, uh, if you sit back and you sit with me and we shoot the shit, you're going to laugh your ass off. Like, I'm funny. That's just me. So I would say that's that's who I am, a sense of humor. Like, I've been that way forever. It helped me get out of trouble. It helped me get the ladies. It helped me get far in life because people like to laugh. But that's not, you know, that's not who I am, you know, outside of that. But I, t- I tell people when I get that money one day, I'm, I'm going to do a little stand-up if it's um, you know, little small something. I want to do it one time just to say I did it. So that's just me. That's who I am. Like I'm a funny dude, and I like to laugh, and I can make myself laugh. <laughs> Are you happy with yourself right now? Yep, I am. And the reason why is because I was able to be by myself. Like you, when you're single, you like, oh, you want to be around people, but it's like, no, I don't need to be around people. Because sometimes that energy, I understand energy and having my own peace. And when the energy isn't the same energy, like, I don't want to be around it. My energy is good. So I can be around my own energy and understand. And I've matured to where I don't have the slick mouth no more. Like, just because you say something to me, I'm not really going to react, especially being a black man in, as a teacher and you work with predominantly white women. You can't just be in there and be that black dude. Even though they'll push you, they'll tell they'll tell on you, do all this and all that. And it's like, all right, what I'm supposed to do. And that's where I'm like, all right, I can come home. I can. And I'm better. Like before. Oh, Eric, I'm going, I'm going in and I would come home and I'd probably be upset and venting and doing all crazy stuff. And it's like, no, nah, I don't got to do all that. I can come home, chill and enjoy my time and enjoy what I do. So I'm, I'm definitely, I, I could be more happy if my pockets was a little fatter, but I'm happy. 
<laughs> I hear that, bro. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Thank you for answering the questions in the prize mantra. I appreciate that. I'm going to throw one last question at you. And it's a question that I ask all men because we grow up and no matter what our situation, when we become a man, we have we are expected to do a lot of things. We have family we're supposed to take care of. That's kids, that's wife, significant other, whatever. But a lot of times what we're not taught to do is take care of ourselves. Nobody teaches you how to take care of you. And I always like to talk to men, for example, you take care of your family, your wife, whomever, kids, whatever. You know, when you're on a plane and the plane's going down and the mask drops, you know what they always say, right? Put that on yourself first before you can help everybody else. You're a better help for everybody else when you take care of yourself. So my question for you is this, life is tough. Life is so much junk going on, no matter what. You were saying that life is hard, no matter whether you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever. But what do you do for yourself when life is just kicking your ass? It's tight. These kids are annoying. They're not listening. This white woman in the school is talking junk about me. The car didn't start. These kids not listening. All this stuff going on. What do you do for you so that for like an hour you could take the stress off? What's the thing that you do? What do you do to self-soothe so that you can feel better about things just for you? Um, I would say play spades. Um, I got an app, so I'll play that. I would say basketball, I don't do it as much, but basketball is one thing where I'm going to take whatever happened, whatever pissed me off, I'm on a basketball court and I'm going to take it out, especially if it's people there. Um, I would say now, um, probably watch something funny, come home relax and watch something funny like make you know watch something to make me laugh and kind of um not forget about it but not dwell on it and I uh, journal um I write I, I write down stuff I so I would say writing down stuff is definitely have helped um I did have a counselor so um that was one thing that I did but I didn't I didn't like dude like he wasn't for me so I kind of just stopped going but having a counselor, um, having somebody to talk to. Um, and when I say having somebody to talk to, if you don't have a counselor, it ain't your friend. It might not be your best friend. It might not, it might be somebody that you don't talk to all the time, but they are an expert in that area or whatever it is. Like you gotta talk to somebody that's gonna help you, that's gonna put their foot on your neck. So I would say, um, my few things is writing, journaling, watching something funny, and talking to somebody that can help, not just talking to somebody. It's important that we do that. Sometimes we got to take care of ourselves. We really do because it's not in our nature. We're, we, we, we spend most of our time focusing on everybody else. And it, I, as many men as I talk to, the idea of what do you do for you is so foreign. What do you mean do for me? What am I, I'm supposed to do something for me? I'm supposed to take care of me? It's 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 almost unheard of for a lot of men. What are you talking about? That just leads to so many bad things, man. Go play golf, go play spades, go do something, release. And the reason I, I throw that out there is because if we don't do it in some enjoyable way, 
we're going to release all the garbage going on in a real bad way. That's when that toxic word comes up. Yep. So it's, it's to our benefit. It's for our sanity to just go. I, listen, I got to go. Give me an hour or two. Let me just go do something. Come back. I'm going to feel refreshed. I can get back into life. It's hard, but I'm good. So I'm glad that you have some things to do. Keep finding stuff. I like the fact that you journal. Journal is so important. If you can't say it, but you can write that down, you should, what you should do, you journal, start. If you've been, if you haven't done so, what's the plan? What are you going to do? How are you going to become a paid speaker? What are you going to talk about in a year? Go back and read that stuff. It's going to be real interesting. Your plan is there. You just got to put it on paper. Yeah. I'm, re I'm ready to see you succeed, bro. Eric, it's, it's just a matter of time. Let's see what's up. Um, I love this conversation, man. I like I, I like to see black excellence. I like to see black success in the making. Where can people find you? Is it social media? It's website. Where do you speak? Where's your podcast? Get it all. I want to hear it all. Break it off, man. Um, so me is uh, Eric Jones Jr. Uh, speaks on Instagram. Uh, Eric Jones. If you put in Eric Jones Jr. speaks on LinkedIn. I don't have it on Facebook because my Facebook got hacked. So I, I'm like, I don't really know what else to change it to. So uh, Twitter put the same thing in um, for my podcast. My podcast is Underdog Talk, U-N-D-E-R-D-A-W-G Talk. So that's on any platform. Just put that in, Underdog Talk, spelled like that. I'm going to pop up. So you'll find me there. Um, my clothing line is Christian Dewan. So ChristianDewine.com. And since I'm on your podcast, if anybody's listening and they get something, use the promo code Underdog Talk and you get 15% off. That's what's up. I will put that in there. Good looking out, man. I appreciate that. All right, Eric, this has been a pleasure. I'm glad I got to talk to you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna talk to the people to end it. But I just want to say I appreciate your time. It was so cool to talk to you. To all the men who listen or watch this, you probably haven't heard this today or in the last week or in the last month. Just to be raw about it, you the shit, man. You've been putting this work in. You've been putting this time in. You are valuable. And it's not because of the wallet. It's not because of what you carry in in a certain spot. It's because you're here. It's because you're a valuable person because you're here. And if somebody hasn't told you that, then let it be known that you're a damn good man. You're going to be a success. Even if you don't know what you're going to be successful in yet, it's going to be in something. You just need to find it. You've been through a lot. And you're still here. You know people have been through a lot, and some of them didn't make it, but you did, and you're still here. Don't ever forget that. So thank you to everybody who listens and watches this podcast. Thank you to Kristen McGriff. She does my intro and my outro to smooth voice, bringing it in in a smooth voice, letting it out. Thank you for listening to Men of the Prize, the podcast where your inner monologue is revealed. And the last thing, and you never forget this, you are a man and you are the prize. Have a good one. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Men Are The Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at 
Men of Zealous Nature, or on Twitter at MenZealous. Have a great week, and never forget, you are a man, and you are the prize. <laughs>